I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. housekeeping up top mm-hmm. uh we missed last week we did <laughs> so just so you guys know we are still going to do an episode covering the family that died in california yes um on a secondary series that will not be part of our main series right title is tbd tbd currently <laughs> <laughs> so much going on um and we are a day late because of who we are as people, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're doing our best, all right? Um, so we're going to get back into it. Uh, I thought this episode we would get through all of her breakdown stuff. We are not. We maybe get through half of it, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. Um, also, welcome. Um, <laughs> if you forgot where you are, this yes. is the Podcast Rejects. You've arrived. Uh, with Spencer in Alaska. And uh, we're back to our Free Britney series. Yes. Um, so last time we ended about where she got her marriage and divorce in 55 hours. Yes. In Las Vegas. So we're going to pick back up a couple months later uh, (laughs) when (laughs) Kevin Federline enters the playing field. Um, so Kevin Federline, which a quick thing, we've been watching iZombie or we just finished watching all of Mm iZombie and there is a Kevin Federline reference in iZombie. Yeah. Which, like, made my soul leave my body for a second, because I don't remember the last time I have heard someone reference Kevin Vetterline. Yeah. Like, who even is he? He's not famous. Yeah. For And it was in the last season, right? Uh, se- Like, second to last, I okay, think. Okay, so yeah, like, 2018, 2019, this like, reference is being long. made. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Would, like, younger people even know Kevin Federline is? I don't think so. It took me a really long time to know who he was. I, I, don't even, I don't ever remember knowing who he was. No. I think I remember hearing his name for the first time, like, a couple years ago when people were talking about Britney. Yeah. That's it. Um. Anyways, he was a backup dancer mm-hmm. before he met Britney. Uh, he back, was a backup dancer for Michael Jackson, Destiny's Child, and, funny enough, Justin Timberlake. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> the two met at Joseph's, which is a Greek supper club in Hollywood. And this was, I think, around April of 2000. What is it? 2006? No, 2004. Yes. Mm-hmm. 2004. Um, so they met. For, and then four days later, Brittany basically orchestrates this uh, very public introduction of this is her new boyfriend she invites all the paparazzi to a beach and um we're gonna post a photo from this thing of her and kevin at the beach she's like he's giving her like piggyback rides and they're just like having fun in the sun it's very like see i'm over everything you guys thought i was crazy look at my new boyfriend who is like very ugly and looks and dresses even for 2004. <laughs> Just egregious. I am appalled. And I was like, it's not even cute. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's always the hot girls with the ugliest guys. I, it always Always. Is. And then they're always. always the ones that, like, treat you the worst. Oh, yes. They're, like, the textbook, like, narcissists, <laughs> yes. gaslighters, Just, like, the worst people. My ugliest boyfriend was also the most abusive one I ever yeah, dated. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm like, if you give an ugly is. guy a chance, he runs with it. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's the man. Like, yeah. the world. Ugh. No. It's not it. <laughs> um, so... You know, this was only four months after the Las Vegas marriage, like I said. So this was very much a, like, fuck you to the media, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that was the introduction of them together. While this was happening, he was, at the time, engaged to Cher Jackson. Right. Who was also sort of a mid-tier famous person at the time. Uh, They already had one child together. And Cher was pregnant at the time. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. I was like... Left his pregnant fiance to be with Brittany. Um, so just a little bit more about him. Generally, he now has six kids. He had two with Cher Jackson, two with Brittany, and two with his current wife. Whoa, it's just a lot of it's a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this is sort of a tangent, but Cher Jackson already had two kids when she got together with Kevin Federline. Her oldest daughter was 10 when Federline left her for Britney. Mm-hmm. And her daughter later said that her mom, like, changed completely after Kevin left her. <sighs> um you know, I feel definitely bad for her, although it seems like Cher Jackson has problems of her own. Yeah. Uh, later, her oldest daughter took out a restraining order against her Ooh. because she was saying that she abused her granddaughter, so her daughter's daughter. <gasps> um, I-, I guess they reconciled because now Cher Jackson is so posting pictures of the granddaughter. Huh. So I don't know. Um, her and her daughter, like her oldest daughter, were on a Lifetime show <laughs> together. <laughs> called mother-daughter experiment where they went to therapy and talked about their difficult and strained relationship (laughs) so there's a lot there um (laughs) just craziness all around yeah um so right after this public like introduction of him she goes on her european tour Mm -hmm. and takes him with her basically it's just like an emotional support boyfriend yeah which fine good for her and then on the way back from Dublin from her European tour, which this was like four days before, or no, a week, I think, before his second child with Cher was to be born. <laughs> um, he proposes to her on the plane ride. <laughs> um, but the proposal is kind of cute. Uh, when I was reading it, I was like, this is adorable, but I don't like Kevin Federline, right. so that's kind of gross. Um, the two plan to get married on September 18th, 2004. Uh, they were going to have a small wedding and they invited 30 guests who didn't know that they were attending a wedding. So mm. when they arrived, they received like a envelope with something in it. It's like, surprise, we're getting married, <laughs> <laughs> which is very fun. It was a very small wedding, but there was a weird thing with their prenuptial agreement, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know, a prenup is basically an agreement that a couple makes before they get married. Mm-hmm about the ownership of their assets. Should the marriage fail? Should they get the divorce? Um, So they had this huge prenup. It was 60 pages long, (laughs) which I looked up the average length of a prenup, which is 20 pages, which is already a very long contract, but prenups can be very complicated. I guess Brittany had a lot of assets. She has a lot of assets. Um, So their lawyers were still like going going at it as far as trying to figure out the prenup. Uh, So they couldn't actually get married on the 18th. Oh. and they didn't want to, like, actually have an official wedding because under California law, without a prenup, they would split all assets 50-50, whether or not they owed them before the marriage. Right. They didn't want Federline to walk away with 50% of the Britney Spears empire. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so basically, the wedding on the September 18th became, like, a faux wedding. It was mm. just, like, another performance. Um <laughs> There was no marriage license, which is obviously required. He says in the book, required by the state of California... I think it's required in all 50 states. And I, it felt like a weird, <laughs> you know, I've talked about how I don't like this author, this weird British man. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so there was no marriage license and the officiating minister could not say that they take each other as husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what legal significance that has anyways. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm like, if it's all play pretend, who cares if he who says cares? they're husband and wife? Um, they actually had to sign an additional contract, uh, which literally said, Brittany understands and agrees that the alleged wedding ceremony in which the parties intend to participate is shall not be a lawful Californian marriage. Why is it directed at Brittany? It's <laughs> so fucking mean to be like, Brittany, you understand, right? right? <laughs> like, um, she performs... Like, constantly. Like, her whole life is a performance. I think she knows. <laughs> I just love alleged wedding ceremony. Like, it was, like, a crime that they were both... <laughs> They're like, the alleged wedding. You can't prove we had a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, which, I, I guess the prenup was actually finalized the day before the wedding. Like, it ended up being finalized. But, oh, okay. Um, under California law, that if they have to wait like at least seven days, like it has seven days of a like back out period before oh, okay. they get married. So they were they were officially married, I think October sixth, but they had to wait at least until September twenty fifth. Um, right. But they had their cute small marriage. We'll post a photo from it. Um, there's not a whole lot because obviously it was a very private wedding, right? Um, so then they start figuring out where they're gonna live. They have like two different houses and they're staying in this crazy, you know, hotel that's $1,500 a night. 
It's <laughs> just like, rich people are crazy. They're crazy. And so here I want to go on a tangent. This is a deep. <laughs> this tangent goes way too deep for this topic. But I have to. Um, so <laughs> during this time, they're trying to figure out where different things are going to be. And um, one of these things is a black trunk full of books of the Zohar foundational work. This is probably books that are, you know, at least thousands of dollars. <laughs> like yeah. this trunk is worth thousands of dollars. Yeah. So this is a bunch of uh, literature mm-hmm. of Jewish mystical thought known as the Cabal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was given to her by Madonna. <laughs> who had now become her friend. <laughs> um, which is bonkers to me that Madonna gives her thousands of dollars worth of Jewish literature yeah. about the cabal. Why, why does Madonna even have them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of these books were in Hebrew, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brittany couldn't read them, but she said publicly that it wasn't an issue because the point wasn't to read the books, but to meditate on the Aramaic text and the spiritual insights will be delivered while they meditate. <laughs> okay. Which okay. is very funny. Just like osmosis, I guess. <laughs> like, just like, yeah, I don't really need to read the cabal. Like, I just need to, like, think about it. I would just love to see an osmosis, like, um, I would love to see an osmosis Jones, like, movie, but, like, based on this story. <laughs> like, a, like, a person, like, just absorbing, like,. <laughs> It makes me think of, like, the TikToks I see about people who practice, like, pagan witchcraft and mm-hmm. they work with, you know, pagan gods. But they think that the gods are talking to them without doing any other sort of work. And yeah. they're, like, they're not talking to you. You just think your internal monologue is defined. <laughs> and it has that same energy where it's yeah. just, like, she doesn't know anything about the cabal. Like, she's just coming up with stuff in her own brain. And she's, like, it's the cabal. Honestly, <laughs> like, amazing. Girl boss. <laughs> Love that for her. It's the funniest thing. Um, so, again, if you're not interested in this, which I'm sure none of you are, but I have to talk about it. Uh, the cabal is basically an esoteric method of Jewish mysticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been changed a lot since it first showed up. Often you will hear this word cited in, like, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. like, conspiracy theories as the ultimate controlling force of the Hollywood elite and the entire country. A lot of times it's tied to like the Illuminati and all this bullshit where they're like, you know, group of like cabal studiers and I don't know. Like it goes so deep in insanity. So a lot of times if you hear that tied to like some kind of controlling force, it's just a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And like all conspiracy theories, it is based on anti-Semitism. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, A lot of people, I would say most people don't know what it is or they're kind of thinking like, or at least, you know, what I thought of when I first hear cabal, I don't think about like the Jewish mysticism. I think of like the hermetic cabal, which is spelled with a Q and not a K, which is sort of like Western esoteric traditions, which is based in occult teachings. So like Golden Dawn, Thelema, Mm -hmm. you know, Aleister Crowley shit. And, uh, Base. It's it's an evolution of the cabal, but it's not really connected in a real way, and right. it's kind of the basis for modern so-called new age things. Right. But yeah. I mean, that's like uh, I can understand how people like don't know those are two separate things. Like I didn't know they were two separate things for yeah. like a long time. Because I, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like they sound like the same word. Mm-hmm. It seems like it kind of evolved from the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Hermetic teachings, which is not necessarily the Hermetic Cabal, do have a lot of overlaps, but a lot of mysticism, if you're reading into it, are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the, like, stuff in um, the Jewish Cabal you can find in, like, Hinduism and right. other religions and other places in the world. So this is really common. All, you know, religions overlap. All mystical beliefs overlap in some way. Uh, it was reinterpreted. I mean, a lot of what we know about it now came from the 16th century because right. this is when we had, like, the Ottoman and Palestine, like, renaissance, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, it's very, um, obviously esoteric. You know, it's it can only really be understood by people who are setting it on a deep level, so not just meditating on the symbols um and it like all religious beliefs is heavily shaped by whatever society is writing it at the time right so like it has changed every century since it popped up of course 
um, just like the Bible does. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets rewritten to fit whatever social needs it needs to. Right. Um, so like I said, that was a big tangent. She has a lot of different, like, changes in her religious beliefs. Obviously, she grew up Baptist. Then she studies the cabal. And then when she has her kids, she stops studying the cabal. And publicly, it's like her child is her religion. Goes back to Christianity. And just recently, a couple weeks ago, she came out as Catholic. <laughs> she has a coming out. <laughs> coming out party. <laughs> um, which is crazy to me. I know that people do become Catholic, but I always just assume you are Catholic against your will. Yeah. Yeah. You're very much, I don't know, um, as someone who like grew up Catholic uh, in a Catholic household. Yeah. Born again Catholics, they're few and far between and very, I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're strange. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was really interesting that now she's like, by the way, I'm Catholic. Yeah. It's like, okay. Okay. Like, Great. Interesting. That's the one you picked, but okay. I mean, yeah. we'll roll with it. And to go from like baptism, like Baptist, Southern Baptist. Yes. To Catholicism is a big jump. Yeah. I mean, because you grew up Southern Baptist and I grew up Catholic and we talk about it all the time of like how different they were. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a big jump. Yeah. I mean, they're both intense. Like I always say the Baptists are the Catholics of the South. Yeah. Just like the Mormons are the Catholics of the West. Yes. They have a lot of intense ideas. Yeah, <laughs> um, they do. But intense in a way that's very different. Yes. I mean, I remember going to churches when I was a kid and they would hand out pamphlets about why Baptists were wrong. That's like, <laughs> we're not even talking like atheists or like pagan god worshippers, the ultimate heretics. Yeah. We are just talking about another flavor of the same religion. Yeah, <laughs> that's so wild. <laughs> Anyways, done with my tangent. Um... <laughs> So (laughs) we'll move on. So her kids are born almost exactly a year apart, which as we're recording this yesterday was her first son's birthday, September 15th. So Sean was born September 15th, 2005 and Jaden September 12th, 2006. So many babies in September. Um, (laughs) So it was publicly announced, obviously that she was no longer studying the cabal and she releases her music video for someday I'll understand where it's clear from the lyrics that she's returning to God after moving away from these beliefs for Mm -hmm. a while. Um, And this is sort of when Kevin starts to try and become a rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Men are just so embarrassing. They are. Like, oh, God. that was your man? <laughs> Come get him. <laughs> like, he needs to stop. <laughs> um, so I was reading a lot about the reception to his singles and his album, Playing With Fire. Um, I think oh, in this book that I'm, you know, reading for the series, he says the harsh, the harsh truth was... Musically and personally, Kevin was cast as the Choker, and America would never be able to accept him as a serious artist. Which <laughs> is oh, very man. true. Uh, yeah. He was definitely the butt of the joke, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the reception to his album was overwhelmingly negative, and it currently still has the lowest rating for the um, music review like aggregator Metacritic. Wow. Which is like a, you know, I think it has a 15 out of 100. Yeah. And that is the lowest score of any album. Oh my God. And he still has it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I tried to listen to some of it. Um, there wasn't any really music videos that no. he made. One of them wasn't even fully released. Like I couldn't even find like a full version of it. But I went and listened to a few of the songs, um, which they are... You know, there's something. They're bad, that's for sure. <laughs> um, which one of my <laughs> favorite comments was, "He's not great, but I'm not ripping out my earbuds. More like gently taking them out." <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Or like a lot of them were like, "This beat is so great. I hope that somebody remakes this so I can actually enjoy the beat in the background." <laughs> uh, pretty rough. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, man. He is trying to start this career as a rapper. Uh, it, it's kind of really evaluated in this book as him trying to, like, up his ability to be a provider for the family. Because, obviously, like, Britney is bringing in crazy money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people at the time accused him of using Britney for her money. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess he was trying to be like, no, I'm also a career man. <laughs> okay. Uh, but all I don't know, it did... get like a job or something. <laughs> yeah. All it did was turn him more, you know, into more of a joke and basically destroy their marriage. So yeah. he, you know, was away a lot and he was traveling to promote this album that was terrible. And um, this put a, a strain on his and Britney's relationship. I mean, clearly when they got together, one of his, one of the big perks of dating him for her was that he wasn't super famous. And she definitely wanted to have like a home life. Like she was a mom and mm-hmm. she wanted to be at home with her husband and like raise her family. And suddenly her husband is never there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just put a lot of pressure on their relationship and things just kept getting worse. Um, and this was definitely further <laughs> irritated by the way the media treated Britney, which even I remember this when mm-hmm. this was happening and I was pretty young, um, 2006. So I was probably like 13. Yeah. Um, and I remember a lot of these things. Uh, so I'm going to sort of list them off, but I do want to clarify that none of these are that big of an issue. Everybody makes mistakes with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all blown out of proportion without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Brittany loved her kids. She was never like neglectful. So the first one, one of the big ones is she was pictured like driving with Sean on her lap. Mm-hmm. So this kind of behavior was really common in Kentwood where she grew up. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense. Like if you've ever been to any of these like rural towns, you know, they have like 14 year olds driving. Yeah. Like it's very lax as far as their laws. Yeah. Um, obviously this is not going to work in LA. No, definitely not. Um, but she, cl- like she claims that she was afraid of the paparazzi who were swarming her and mm. she was trying to get away from them. The agency who was responsible for publishing the photos said that they were taken in a peaceful context at which photographers exhibited no aggressive behavior. (laughs) Right. Like, we're going to believe you. Right. Exactly. He gives this whole long description of what exactly happened. I don't know whether or not it's true, but I am not inclined to believe them, considering they are the ones who benefited from these photos. So it doesn't really make sense to me that they would, like, have any reason not to push her into this position. Honestly. Um, And I don't know. To me, that's just like the incentive there makes it. So I just don't believe them either way. Yeah. Whether or not she, you know, publicly stated that it was a mistake and obviously she learned from it. It wasn't a big deal. And she wasn't doing it all the time. It was one time. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one was Sean fell from his high chair and was taken to the hospital for a checkup. Uh, This and the Sean, her driving with Sean on her lap the police were called and the police, like the LA police department of children and family services, uh, had to formally interview her for both of these. Oh my God. Uh, which the falling from his high chair was like, not even her, like her nanny was trying to pick him up from the chair when it, a piece of it broke. Mm. And so basically he was mid being picked up and slipped. Um, and they were really, they called a doctor, like private doctor to their house and then took him to the hospital a couple days later for a checkup. Yeah. They like were responsible, you know, <laughs> extremely responsible parents. I know yeah. a lot of parents who their kids have a head injury and they're like, they're fine. Walk it off. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're good parents. Um, the third one was a helicopter took photographs of Sean finally in his, you know, baby seat in the rear seat of her car, but it was facing frontwards, which was as people said the wrong way, mm-hmm. not legally, at least at the time, um, it was just recommended to be facing backwards, which she put him in there facing forwards. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that, and I don't know, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. I don't really know anything about car seats, but I do think that that was like around that time when they started to change those regulations because mm-hmm. they started to realize that it was safer for babies to be facing backwards in the car. Yeah. Um, it was around that time because my sister was born in 2005. So I remember like her being like a baby and like a toddler and watching her like car seats change. And like, you know, as she was getting older and that was like, I remember my parents being like, Oh, don't forget to face her backwards. Like they like specifically were like talking about that. So it's like probably something they didn't do with me or like even my older brother. But around that time was like the time people were like, Oh, backwards is safer. 
Yeah. You know. So I, I'm like, to me, that's not a big deal. And the no. fact that a helicopter took those photos and then people made a big deal out of it is insane. It's insane. I can't even imagine trying to be a parent and deal with all of these new things and trying to learn all of this stuff. And every single slip up is worldwide news. <laughs> it's like breaking news. Like everybody has to know it. It's ugh. And this was, um, this fourth one was the one I remember really specifically was she sort of like slipped and stumbled on some damp cobblestones in New York and almost dropped Sean. She was carrying him. Mm -hmm. The articles from this were insane. Like one of the titles was, oops, Brittany drops baby, but not a drop of her drink. Um, What? Yeah. But she didn't, I don't think she fully dropped her baby. She stumbled. Yeah. And held on to her baby, or he just sort of like whipped back, and then you know yeah. was fine. Yeah. Um. But she was surrounded by paparazzi. These photos are insane because they're like, look how bad of a mom Brittany is, and I'm like, you guys are swarming around this like poor woman just yeah. trying to like walk to her fucking car. Yeah. Um. This woman <laughs> who's like trying to like safely care for her child, and you're making it difficult. And I mean, it's just like. I don't know. It's like horrifying. I remember this happening. I remember her being like very upset about it and people talking about how she was so like, you know, crying about what a bad mom she was. And it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, so clearly that added a lot of pressure, you know, to their marriage because everything about her ability to be a mother was being heavily scrutinized. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of just another version of performing that needed to be critiqued by the world. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of speculation at the time that Brittany wasn't coping with motherhood or not coping at all. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> they talk about her being like stressed when the baby cries and not knowing how to be a mother. Uh, this stuff is really ridiculous to me because <laughs> one, I'm sure a lot of women struggle with motherhood. I think it's yeah. really common yeah. to go through such a change in who you are and your responsibilities. Yeah. Um, and, being like stressed out by a baby crying is biological. Like yeah. it raises your blood pressure when babies cry. Yes. Um, that's not uncommon to get it's stressed out by that. Not. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of women probably do feel like, you know, inadequate as far as their ability to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to navigate a world like this. And you can feel criticized by even those close to you. So it's like, I can't even imagine being criticized by the entire world. Yeah. So whether or not she felt this way is none of our business at all. Yeah. Um, And feeling like you're an inadequate mother, I feel like speaks more to her actually being a good mother because like the bad moms are the ones that are just always excusing their own behavior, being like, I'm doing the best I can being who I am and they just have to deal with it kind of thing. And those are always the ones with, you know, detrimental relationships with their children. But like worrying that you're doing like a good job, like that makes me think, okay, like, she is a good mother. And yeah. She cares so much about making sure she's doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And sources close to her said that she, you know, she obviously had a lot of nannies working for her. Right. But it wasn't a kind of thing where she just wanted them to take care of her kids. She would, like, she hired nannies to teach her how to take care of children. That's amazing. Which is, like, you know, a great use of money. And also, like, I was like, that to me is the exact opposite of not coping. Yeah. Because that is, like, uh, you know, taking really good steps in the direction of taking care of your kids. Absolutely. Like the ideal situation that any mother would love to have is just someone just to help teach them what yeah. to do. Like that's perfect. Right. So this speculation that it's like, oh, she's cracking because of motherhood. And it's like, no, she's cracking because you guys are crazy. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's not any of our business whether or not she felt this way. And if she did, it's normal. And I also wanted to clarify that the lives of her children altogether are not any of our business. Absolutely not. Um, They're all minors. Yes. It's like at the time they were literal infants. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that there were so many public photos of their whole ass face Mm -hmm. is disgusting to me. Yeah. Um, I think people are getting better about that now. They like blur out the, you know, faces of children. But Mm -hmm. at the time it's like they did not do that. And they're still minors. Yeah. You know, 2005. They're they're still minors. Yeah. 16 year old. So, you know, that's gonna. That's probably going to be the last time I talk about them in any real capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'll talk about them in sort of a broad overview of, like, Kevin's actions and Brittany's actions. But we're not going to cover anything else about the kids because their lives are private. Yes. They're kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that said, uh, obviously, all of this stuff is happening with her kids, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Um, and so Brittany files for divorce. So the lead up to this is, um, 
you know, obviously she's having a hard time and she, their relationship is really struggling. And I want to just want to read this paragraph. Um, this comes from a source who was close to Brittany, a source that Brittany like confided in. Mm -hmm. So it says she had a very clear idea of what married life should be like. She's an idealist, but the reality was very different. She felt a husband and father had certain responsibilities, and she was on at Kevin about obligations she didn't feel he honored. She felt miserable, and all she saw was him running after stardom. She took this as an indication of how much he loved her, that she wasn't good enough for him. Whereas Kevin felt that he was doing the responsible thing, going out and paying his own way. All this left Brittany with a heavy heart, and she realized there was a price to everything, and she was everyone's investment. Even a photo of her with her children making one error could make someone money. And the funniest thing in all of this, none of that money mattered to Brittany. She would just wanted a tight family and happiness. I think Kevin felt she was trying to control him. Mm. I just felt like this was a great description of everything that was going on. Yeah. And how much like money played into it. Right. Where it's like, obviously she wasn't concerned about money, but it's like everybody else was mm -hmm. and how they could make money around her. And this is like never explicitly said by anyone, but it does very much feel like he was using her as a platform to start his own career mm -hmm. as like a rapper. Because he was only able to make this album because she had a private recording studio built into her house. Right. Their house, but let's be honest, her, her house. house. Um, You know, I, it's never fully said, but I just feel like... I, I I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. So mm -hmm. eight weeks after the birth of her second child, Jaden, Brittany files for divorce. Um, the book, the author of this book speculates um, of whether she fully intended to go through with it or not, because he says Lynn did the same thing and Jamie came running back to her. This is so degrading to Ugh. me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, that's so degrading. Um, and also, the fact that she didn't like her father. So, like, why would she want to emulate their relationship no. when she already didn't like her dad? Yeah. Um, so, I think that's just a dumb take in this book. Uh, sources that were actually close to her said her filing the petition for the divorce was a last resort because mm -hmm. she was begging and pleading and weeping and that had failed to mm -hmm. make any real changes in her marriage. The next day, Brittany was out of town in New York. Um... Kevin immediately accepted the divorce petition and uh, filed for sole custody of their sons right away. My God. Um, he maintains to this day, like he was in interviews not even that long ago, that he has never used his sons as pawns. Mm. I don't find this true at all. I not think it was all. very clear that Brittany cared about her kids more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, she always wanted to be a mom. That was like part of her life. And the fact that he without even talking to her or working through what was best for the kids immediately filed for sole custody feels like a way to hurt her Absolutely. like a form of revenge yeah um you know and especially considering how she must have felt by the public as far as like her them judging her and her ability to be a mom mm -hmm. um it, it just felt really disgusting to me Absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like filing for sole custody right away is a bad call anyways. Yeah. Um, but especially for the fact that like she has the financial ability to take care of your kids a lot better than you do. Yeah. And to just be like, well, I'm just going to take the kids. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, that's like at the very least you need to be working on like a 50, 50, like, joint custody thing and thinking about what's best for the kids and it doesn't feel that way to me at all absolutely not especially um, for a man who is like always like out of town never home like when were you even taking care of these boys right you know and it's like i get that you love them they're your children but is that really what's best for them to put them in the middle of this right no <laughs> it's never and to do it without even like talking to her i don't know that to me that was just like i find that really gross yeah it was um, a crazy reaction so a little bit after this there is this whole debacle with her being the first presenter at the AMAs in 2006. And so this was hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and right before she walks out on stage, they played this skit, which I tried to find a copy of online, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm. Uh, but basically it was a sketch that involved a fake Kevin Federline being nailed into a box and dropped out to sea by a crane with a accompanying good riddance message describing him as the world's first ever no-hit wonder. 
which is objectively a great insult. <laughs> yeah, that's, that insult is pretty funny. Um, but this was Jimmy Kimmel's idea, and Brittany did not know about it and did not approve it and just saw it the moment before she walked out on stage. Yikes. You know, ever the professional, she just went out and did her job, but she was very mad. They tried to get it pulled from, like, the second showing of it on the West Coast, but they refused to take it out. Um, and clearly that she was like, this is going to make an already very delicate and tumultuous situation worse Mm -hmm. because Kevin would probably assume, I mean, rightly assume really that she had sanctioned this idea and allowed them to play it when that wasn't true. Um, Jimmy Kimmel was like, said it would be okay because Brittany and Kevin have a great sense of humor. (laughs) Um, and whatever. I have my own opinions about Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy um, Kimmel can choke. Honestly. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then the book kind of talks about how it wasn't Jimmy Kimmel's fault because Brittany and Kevin had made a skit earlier that year at the VMAs about their poor parenting, like making fun of themselves. Okay. Um, and so he calls it like a double standard for her not letting Jimmy Kimmel make this joke. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's one thing to like make a joke at the expense of yourself, especially like about your co-parenting like two things it's like but like this is about her divorce and like this is a much different situation and you're also not the person that's being made fun of right so you didn't ask her you didn't ask her it's like consent man yeah. it's like it's not a double standard no because she chose to do that and yeah. you chose for her yeah you chose for her ridiculous ridiculous <laughs> like so much so that definitely made things worse. And then after this, Brittany starts going out on the town with Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is often referred to her time as like partying like crazy, which honestly just sounds like very intense for doing something extremely normal as a 24 year old yeah. grown adult, which is going out drinking, dancing with girls who are probably the few who could actually understand how you feel and what you're going for, because they are also under a lot of, like, public scrutiny. Absolutely. Um, Not that it even matters if she was doing drugs and going crazy, but everyone who talked about it at the time said that she barely even got drunk. She just liked going dancing, because that was, like, her thing. She, like, wanted to be on the dance floor, like, having a fun time. But um, it definitely fit the public narrative that she was losing it, and she was becoming the party girl. Um, Lord. (laughs) Which is, like annoying and you know paparazzi followed everywhere they always take those like terrifying photos of people in cars where they look insane and it's like crazy look at her she's losing her mind and it's like like she's just having a fun night oh my gosh like just let her live yeah (laughs) so i wanted to read this paragraph really quick about the paparazzi in this um you know, whole incident, because I just thought this was interesting. He says, morning, noon, and through the night, whenever Britney stepped out and drove anywhere, 30 cars followed. Few understand paparazzi is not just a term for a gaggle of zealous photographers. It is also the name of a sophisticated machine made up of supremely coordinated professionals. Each member of this 30-strong pack shares a walkie-talkie type phone, spies working in unison. At the click of a button... This moving network snaps into action and follows Brittany in a shadow that dwarfs its subject. Jeez. I'm like, that's terrifying. That's so terrifying. Imagine having to live like that. 24-7. And then he says, oh, and he was like, he makes this weird, bizarre claim that she doesn't get to be upset about the paparazzi following her after he makes that terrifying description of them. Because she invited them to take pictures of her and Kevin at the beach, you know, like three years ago, two years ago. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) Which is, like, insane to me that he was like, yeah, you remember this one time, like... (laughs) It would be like if you invited someone to your house yeah. and then they just like showed up like two years later and they're like, like you don't get to be mad. You invited me or two years ago. You invited me over. Yeah. I can just live here now. It's like, uh, I'm uninviting you. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? That's so fucking weird. Um, he also says that she did nothing to help herself because she still went out. Um, which is very weird to me. It was like, it's like he's trying to make all of these, you know, deep interpretations of how the media was treating her Mm -hmm. without putting any critical thought into what those effects were and her part in it. Yeah. Because saying that she didn't help herself by acting like a normal person and still, you know, doing what she wanted to do is 
such a poor standard to evaluate the actions of the media. Absolutely. But it's like, she has not done anything wrong. No. Um, I'm like, doing nothing to help herself would be like inviting the paparazzi to these clubs. Right. That would be something that applied to it. But just existing outside of her own home. Yeah. Is not something that can qualify as didn't help herself. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. Like, what do you expect? She can only come outside when she's going to performances or she's doing work. Like, otherwise she has to be holed up in her home. Yeah. Like, that's a terrible way to live. Yeah. And that's not an expectation for any male celebrities. They're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot with, like, I mean, and we'll get into, like, expectations of femininity specifically later in this episode. But Mm. I was thinking about that a lot of how, like, you never see party guys. No. You know... When you hear about men with, like, drug addiction, like Robert Downey Jr., all you hear about is their, like, redemption arc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> or if they're doing something really crazy, like Mel Gibson style, okay, mm-hmm. that's, like, something. But just, like, going out to a bar, <laughs> no. you never see a man getting accused of being, like, crazy party no. lifestyle. Yeah. I'm like, this is very much a, like, expectation of Britney as a woman mm-hmm. and as a mom. And especially as a, a person who became famous as a teenager. Yeah. You know? I was like, she's Ugh. 24 years old. Yeah. Um, and she just, she had a very public heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And then another one. Yeah. Right after that. Yeah. She's gone through a lot. Yeah. And she had a very close family member die of cancer. I mean, she has gone through it. Mm-hmm. And this is a very normal way to respond to that. Absolutely. By just like blowing off some steam and having fun with people who, you know, you feel kinship with. Yeah. Um, later, like several years later, Brittany and Kevin would both explain why their marriage ended. Brittany in her documentary for the record, which we'll probably talk about later, like in the next episode and Kevin in people magazine. This was probably around 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brittany said, I didn't know what to do with myself. We had built a dream home in Malibu with a pool and a huge backyard for the kids. And I did everything for them. And my world was that he started doing an album and started wanting to do things for himself. And I just never saw him anymore. When that happened, things just got really weird. When it ended, I felt so alone. Hmm. Um, Kevin responded to this by saying that he had been on the road promoting a CD, attempting to be a working dad, trying to provide for his family when he was blindsided by the divorce petition. Blindsided. You immediately filed for sole custody the next day. The next day. (laughs) How blindsided were you? Um... He said he had done everything he could to be a good husband, a father, and work more from home, but he guessed it wasn't enough. It's uh, It's just ridiculous if, like, men will do, like, absolutely everything to get themselves out of accountability. mm -hmm. Of, like, clearly, like, for Kevin, it's, like, based in his own insecurities of not being the breadwinner as, like, as standard for, you know, the Mm -hmm. classic nuclear family. That, like, you know, that's what made him, like, feel like he needed to go out and work and do this thing or whatever. And it's, like, you don't have to. Like, you could just have been there, like, be your kid's father. Be, like, supporting, you know, Brittany. And, like, I don't know. It's, like, that's a way that people, like, can exist and be very fulfilled. Like, a lot of stay-at-home dads. But it's, like, I don't know. Communicate that then if it's, like, not something you want to do if you want to be working. I don't know. It's just, like... It's never men's fault. Like, they just are like, well, I have to do this. It's like, well, do you? Do you have to work? Because it was like, it felt like she was specifically asking you not to. Yes. And you weren't even good. No. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but you weren't. You weren't. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I know, you know, you never know what's happening behind closed doors, but Mm -hmm. I'm way more likely to side with Brittany in all things. Yeah. (laughs) Especially just given how Kevin acts as a person. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Things were, you know, clearly heating up, obviously. They have this whole divorce proceeding. Brittany is partying from this heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the media is all over her. Yeah. And calling her a bad mom. This is definitely, you know, building into <laughs> uh, the the so-called breakdown that's going to happen. We'll get really into it next episode. Um, Obviously, all of this is going on. And then Brittany is essentially forced by her parents and management to check into Crossroads, which is a rehab center. Mm. She was obviously angry about this and checked out 24 hours later. Um, In the book, he actually has a really good sentence where he says, forcing anyone into rehab or therapy nearly always provokes an even bigger anger because the patient feels the instigation of therapy is to meet the needs of others and not them. Mm -hmm. This, like 
hits the nail on the head. Like, this is, like, exactly right. I can completely imagine how she would feel. Because when you're looking at this, you know, from all sides, you see that nobody offered her help. Nobody really tried to help her until it affected their bottom line. Yep. That was when people started to try and force her into these things. And more than that, there doesn't really even seem to be a lot of evidence of addiction. Later on, she'll go to therapy for a full 30 days. And after she'll publicly talk about how she felt lost or, you know, just was dealing with a lot of stress and stuff. It's never about addiction. And I don't think it was from the very beginning. Um, I mean, she barely even got drunk when she went out. And honestly, that kind of party lifestyle isn't really not a big deal, especially when you're going through something. It's a good way to just like work through it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there are more healthy avenues, but it's like sometimes you just need to exist. Yeah. And feel, you know, not as connected to your problems. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. No. She's going through a hard time. It makes sense that she would react this way. I know when I got out of an abusive relationship, I definitely did the same thing, you know partied a lot just kind of trying disconnecting from my past self and especially coming out of relationships Mm -hmm. I think it's really common because you're kind of rediscovering who you are as a individual right and a lot of what you lose in a relationship first is you know who you are in play Mm -hmm. so who you are in like having fun and what you really enjoy and this is a simple way to start rediscovering that part of yourself um so I mean I went through a very similar thing and I'm sure to the outside world if I was super famous people would think I was losing it I was never addicted to alcohol or drugs that I partook in I mean it's never been a thing that I like I did that and then once I felt like I could heal without it I moved on from that Mm -hmm. but and I feel like that's exactly what Brittany would have done had she not been forced into rehab and so I feel like in this it became sort of an easy fix yeah and I think this is like true for a lot of celebrities especially women Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was definitely true for britney at the time because nobody wanted to like be there for her Mm -hmm. nobody understood how to help her because their idea of helping her was trying to guide her into being who she was before Mm -hmm. which is not someone that exists anymore Mm -hmm. because who she is now is a different person so it's like the only way that you can help someone in that state is you know learning what they need currently right not you just need to get back to this it's like there is no going back it's going forward yeah um but that takes work and it takes understanding and um true empathy of another person and nobody wanted to do this no and i think people found her very hard to be around even like her mom would accuse her personal assistants the people who worked for britney as being instigators and enablers of like oh if she went out and she saw the like you know assistant the personal assistant her mom would attack the personal assistant and it's like okay well it's their job it's their job yeah and it's like your your daughter Brittany is not an out of control maniac she is a person who is going to make her own decisions and so calling somebody just around her an enabler shows to me that you have no idea who she is Mm -hmm. and don't really care to know that person no they've spent so much of Brittany's life um, controlling her as a puppet and they were getting frustrated that they couldn't just you know make her do whatever they wanted at any given time and it's like they constantly talk about her rebellion and I kind (laughs) of wanted to talk about that a little bit because None of this feels rebellious. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're looking at it from the point of view of a parent's management, okay, it's rebellion because it's not following your path. Mm -hmm. But for Brittany, it's just decisions. Yeah. She's just making decisions. Yeah. As a normal person does. (laughs) Not every decision that disagrees with you is rebellion. Yeah. It just seems like such a misunderstanding of it. And I feel like the way people talk about it now is still the same. Mm-hmm. It's all rebellion. And I'm like, is it rebellion? Or is it or just do you a, just disagree with it? Yeah, just a person existing in their own life. Yeah. I was like, not every, you know, existence is an act of rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brittany is checked into, forced to check into Crossroads. She's obviously pissed about this. And so she checks out 24 hours later, mm-hmm. as she's allowed to do as a free person. Yeah. Um, and she has her most amazing, iconic moment where she was truly ahead of her time, where she shaves her head. Period. Um, incredible. 10 out of 10. Um, this is often, like, talked about as her being super impulsive, the ultimate, like, manic decision, whether or not she was in mania, we don't really know. <laughs> yeah. But I would just like to say that it's 
doesn't really seem that impulsive because she had talked about shaving her head for a while yeah. before she was forced into crossroads. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of the articles, they're like, oh, she shaved her head because she was forced into this rehab center. And then she went to Kevin's house and he wouldn't let her see her kids. So then she went and shaved her head as revenge. Okay. Which is really weird. But this was something she had been thinking about for a while. She had tried to, like, convince her assistants to, like, pull into hair salons Mm -hmm. on a whim when she was out. Like, almost like she was trying to trick them. (laughs) She was like, just get in there. Um, So after she leaves, she finds this hair salon. And tells her bodyguard to pull into the parking lot. And they go into the salon. She sits down in the chair. Mm-hmm. And she tells... So she goes to Esther's hair salon. Mm-hmm. And Esther is the woman who, you know, this woman who did not shave her head. Uh, and she complained about her extensions feeling too tight and says, I want my hair shaved off. Mm. Um, Esther refused to do so. She tried to talk her out of it by being like, you might feel differently tomorrow. Maybe you're just hormonal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, and then while she was looking at the bodyguard for moral, moral support, uh, Brittany <laughs> picked up the buzzer, the electric buzzer, and just started going at it. Period. Probably realizing that nobody was ever going to shave her head for her, which I, I just feel like if you were truly, like, manic impulsive, you would just buy, like, some electric buzzers from the store. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you would have pulled into a Walmart, picked them up, you know, had your bodyguard go in and buy them, and then, like, go back home and do it yourself. I'm like, it just doesn't feel that crazy to me. No. Um, but she shaved her head. And her only response to that in the salon that we know of is that she says, my mom's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Fair, because her mom is crazy. Yeah. Um, she then walks out of the hair salon and goes next door to a tattoo parlor. Love it. I love this story. I love the woman who also was working there, where she was talking about how outside the door she couldn't really see what was going on, but she saw that there was a ton of paparazzi. And then she sees this hooded figure approach the door because Brittany has put her hood up while Mm -hmm. she's walking outside. And so it's a hooded figure with, like, cameras flashing behind her that does this dramatic entrance. Like, it's so cinematic to imagine this <laughs> happening. And then it's Britney Spears with a freshly shaved head and demanding a tattoo. Like, I can't even imagine the day that would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Best so day ever. requests a pair of lips and a cross, I think. Um, and this is, you know, when the employee asked why she shaved her head and she famously responded i don't want anyone touching me i'm tired of everyone touching me yeah i think it's important to recognize i mean we've talked about this a lot this has been a theme of the kind of control that britney was under at all times Mm -hmm. she had almost no autonomy as a person and especially over her appearance i can understand how she would get to the point where she was like i am done with this absolutely i don't want my hair done i don't want to i don't want it to be done every time i leave the house no like i've had enough yeah i want it off yeah i'm like that makes sense to me yeah Um, and her hair was like obviously part of her identity as like a you know and her image as just like a public figure mm -hmm. it was like you know it's not it's not ever about britney that people are refusing to you know shave her head or like it's never you know actually in her best interests like like people like to claim it is like it's about her image it's like you like are trying to protect this like image that you benefit from Mm -hmm. and it's like oh what are your fans going to think of your shaved head and it's like who fucking cares it's It's her head yeah it's her hair and she's a she's insanely rich get her some fucking wigs i'm like whatever she wants you can pay hairstylist to put like perfect lace front wigs over that shaved head every time she has to go perform or whatever like whenever she wants Totally fine. Yeah. People probably wouldn't even have known she had a shaved head if you just let her do it. Like, you know, right. go to a salon, you know, whatever, and just be like, yeah, you know, put this wig on when you got to do shows. Otherwise, do whatever you want. Like, it's just that simple. Like, yeah. I mean, and it was insane. Like, and I also remember when this happened. I mean, I don't know anyone that doesn't if you were alive yeah. and, like, conscious when this happened. Yeah. Like, this was a huge deal. And the media was insane like people were trying to sell tufts of her hair on ebay and the auction reached one million dollars before it was shut down because ebay admitted that they had no way of actually authenticating the hair (laughs) um real news outlets like abc um and fox news were saying things like bald and broken or sheer madness Um, of a co-host of the view which a side note in this book he says the view which is the american version of whatever some british show and i was like sir you gotta stop 
this is America. You're, like, <laughs> speak English. <laughs> like, enough. I've had enough of your British nonsense. Ugh. Um, but a co-host on The View said that a lot of people saw her shaving her head as self-mutilation. Oh, my God. It's hair, hair grows back. <laughs> she didn't cut her hands off. Like, it's hair. Oh, my Lord. Um, they also, there was, like, crazy theories that she was shaving her head because there was a threat that the courts were going to take hair follicles for drug testing. Which I I don't know much about this, but I don't think that's true because I think as your hair continues to grow, like you would still have drug part, like you would still be able to test for drugs in newly grown hair. Yeah. For like up to six months after doing drugs. Yeah. That's just my understanding of it. And she also didn't like fully shave like thin razor down to her head, right? It wasn't completely bald. Like there was still a little bit of hair, right? Like I think it was short. pretty buzz, but it's hard okay. to tell from okay. the pictures. I'm like, well, I was like, it still kind of has some follicles, right? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but anyways, this wasn't true because at this point, her and Kevin had joint had agreed to joint custody, so there wasn't a real issue issue of like custody at the time, and <laughs> it wouldn't be for another six months. Yeah. This was just stupid. Oh, my God. Um, And then I want to read this other paragraph from this book because it's just insane. This book is insane. I don't recommend reading it. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, If you want to learn about it, just listen to our series because this book is crazy. Um, He says, the appearance of shaved heads has always had a propensity to make people feel intimidated or uncomfortable. Viewed as a sign of rebellion, illness, fright, violence, and more extremely, madness. It's an image befitting stereotypes. Mods, G.I. Jane, <laughs> chains, hooligans, convicts, cancer, and lesbianism. Unless a pre-established image from someone like Sinead O'Connor. Outside of that, no one knew how to process this side of a glamorous princess of pop dethroning herself in public so everyone clutched at any rational explanation to one irrational act <laughs> oh my god Lord. which i had to look up what mods were we looked yeah. that up because i was like the fuck are you talking about yeah which apparently refers to what moderns in modernists it's like some british like uh, subculture that developed in the 1950s that called themselves the modernists because they liked modern jazz, <laughs> uh, which is insane and embarrassing for them. Yeah, and I guess they all had shaved heads, which their subculture like weirdly devolved and like fractured at some point uh, because they had some rift over the kind of jazz that they could all like. <laughs> and then one of those fractures ended up turning into what are like known as like the American like skinheads. I don't know how that happened. That's insane. But yeah, so that's where that comes from. <laughs> so comparing like a, a woman just making a choice about her own body and her own hair. Like she's a skinhead. Is lesbianism. <laughs> lesbianism. Lesbianism. <laughs> Damn those gays. <laughs> what are we going to do about the gays? How are we going to get rid of them? <laughs> Good Lord. Um, And I, you know, this is going to be the last thing we talk about in this episode, but I just really wanted to talk about kind of explore the expectations of femininity mm-hmm. in general, but especially the ones that Britney was expected to adhere to, so much so that her making a decision that was against the idea, the traditional idea of femininity, was like an insult to the entire world. I mean, Jesus. even in this book, he is talking about this with like not a single critical thought in his brain Ugh. of like, it's totally irrational, and everyone was just trying to make sense of it and it's like that's not the take the take is that everybody else could not understand or come like really get their brain around the fact that britney did not belong to them yeah her hair and her you know the way she looked did not matter to their life no and it only mattered to hers um you know calling it self-mutilation and making it the butt of the joke and it's like she just made a choice yeah and I, it was interesting. The reason I said earlier that she was ahead of her time is obviously this has become a big trend in 2020. Um, I actually found some really interesting articles and I was reading it. I think one of them was Cosmopolitan talking about it specifically in the realm of like COVID mm-hmm. and people being in quarantine um, and like lockdowns and stuff and how a ton of women have shaved their heads. And there are many, many different reasons, but yeah. it's becoming really, really common. And then I was like, if Brittany had done this now, she would have just been like, wow, a bad bitch, yeah. like, showed up to the Met Gala with a shaved head, mm-hmm. and people would be like, incredible. Yeah. But at the time, it was, like, an insult to the entire world, and, like, Ugh. her image as the pop princess, 
when really it's like, to me, a lot of the reasons that she is publicly given sound like a lot of the reasons that people shave their head now and did in 2020. Yeah. Of like not being, not feeling like you need to cater to other people's viewpoints of you Mm -hmm. and like maintaining, you know, it's like a lot of women have felt that way of like maintaining their hair for other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having to schedule when they wash, like, their hair, when they can style it on certain days, like, with events. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Hair products, like, cost a lot, you know. And depending on your hair type can be very difficult to work with. You know, it's it's totally understandable. Just be like, I don't want to deal with it right now, you know. Yeah. To just, like, <laughs> shave it off. I'll deal with it if it grows back, or I could just keep shaving it. Right. Whatever works for me. And you, know? It, you know, it's there's a million different reasons, and all of them are completely understandable to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting, that there's so much of this insanity mm-hmm. uh, that of, of a decision that really just is not a big deal. Yeah, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week. Next week, uh, we will finish up with the stuff about her getting to the conservatorship. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about, you know, her actually going through rehab and the falling out that she has with various members of her family. Mm -hmm. And then her, you know, dad filing the petition, everything that leads up to that. Um, Because we're sort of on a schedule to get to our Halloween series, which we'll talk about more later. um, We're going to have a miniature episode next week. Also next week on Friday, that is um, the legal background of conservatorships. Yeah. Um, Which you know, probably won't be as long, but it is going to be pretty deep knowledge about where this comes from and what these mean, because I think it's important to have a basic foundation for what conservatorships are so that we can have the discussion of how these things have evolved after her dad filed the petition. Right. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, Come back next week. Um, Bye. Bye. The Podcast Rejects is a Gamer Frauds Network production. Find us on Instagram at The Podcast Rejects. For early access to all Gamer Frauds Network content and a ton of exclusive perks, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.